teach what we already taught. We talked quite a bit on, you know, praying in tongues. I think I spent two, two services, if I remember right. And I would like you to start with me over here uh, in Jude, the book of Jude, the little book of Jude, just one chapter right before the book of Revelation. Go over there with me, please. And I wanted to start there and continue talking. I, I was talking about eight benefits of praying in tongues, and I gave you several already. Spent some depth in that about praying for people that I didn't know what they needed, but God did. And he dealt with me to get up and pray for them. And uh, I prayed in tongues primarily because I didn't know in my brain, and you don't either a lot of times, what everybody needs. You might know something uh, natural if they tell you, but that may not be the real issue. I may know what I'm saying there. So, you know, if God's going to use you, you'd have to be willing to get up and pray in the spirit. I say get up because a lot of times at night he does me that way. Not all the time. But I want to talk further about praying in tongues and praying in the spirit with you. And praying in tongues stimulates your faith. It doesn't give you faith. I've heard people teach it. That's not what the Bible teaches. I want to show you. Read your Bible correctly. Jude chapter 1. There's only one chapter. Verse 19, verse 20. It's kind of a comparison. These be they who separate themselves. Uh-oh. Sensual, having not the Spirit. They don't fall into that category. But you, beloved, that's referring to the body of Christ when he calls us beloved because he loves us. You know, the Ephesians says we're accepted in the beloved in Jesus because we're in him. We're the beloved. But you, beloved, building up yourselves, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. You build yourself up by praying in the Holy Ghost. You don't gain faith by praying in the Holy Ghost, but you build yourself up. One time I was at a spa, me and another preacher, we're both built about alike, and we were, I think I was a little heavier back then even, and he was too. And we was in the steam room, we had towel on us, and then come these two guys, and they, they were cut, or what do they call it, ripped. You know, they had a six pack, we had two liter. <laughs> and uh, they, they talked a while, you know, we were talking, me and Pastor so-and-so. And they got up and left the steam room, and he looked at us and says, he said, we're the Pillsbury Doughboys. <laughs> I said, yeah, we are on the outside, but on the inside, we like, look just like them. Because we have exercised ourselves. Yes. See, if you don't pray in tongues except on the way to the hospital, you don't pray in tongues. You're just playing with it. You don't have any heart for it. You don't have any, uh, you know, consciousness about it. You think it's an emergency realm. You know, you just think it's the lever you pull when you get in trouble. But that's not what tongues is for at all. I mean, it could help you there. But if you just prayed every day, a lot of trouble wouldn't get to you. That's right. And God would teach you how to get out of trouble and move around it and not move in it. <laughs> a lot of your answers will come out of praying in tongues if you'll, if you'll do it enough. That's another problem. We don't pray long enough. Well, I'm too busy. Well, then you're too busy for God. You're just too busy for beloved. You're distracted. I've never lived on a planet that's been so distracted as today. I don't ever get on a plane anymore. Nobody says hi. Nobody says, what do you do? They jerk their computers out and their screens. They're watching all kinds of crazy stuff from porn to whatever they play a game or work. But just anything can happen up there in first class and even in coach because people are distracted. 
You go try to have lunch with people and four people got their phones out playing with their phone. I don't want to go to lunch with you if that's the way you're going to treat me. You have no respect for me or what I'm going to say or even my presence. You just, you just you're got an appendage called a phone on your hand. It's stuck to you. And you run your life off your phone. You ought to be running your life out of your spirit. That's, that's what good. I'm trying to get over that's to good. you. If I sound a little rough, just take it. Yeah, that's good. If I can't jar you into praying in tongues more than you do, then I'm a failure and you certainly are. Yeah, and you know, I used to tell people when they came for counseling, when's the last time you prayed in tongues half hour? And nobody could give me a direct answer. Boom. Nobody said, I prayed today before I came to see you. They always hang their head. Well, mm, mm. they're trying to figure out what they could say to make them sound good. And I said, you don't pray in tongues at all, do you hardly? Well, actually, no. I said, that's why you're in here talking to me. I'm here to help you, but I'm not here to help you when you don't do your part. And most of those people, I told them to their faces, said, if you don't do what I tell you in this meeting, I will tell Donna never to give you another appointment with me because you don't listen. You really say that? I really said that. Somebody came without a piece of paper and a pencil or their Bible. I jerked the slack out of them. How dare you come in here like that? You wouldn't do that if you were going to a surgery. If you were meeting your doctor about a coming surgery, you'd have your husband or wife with you, your mother, your brother, or somebody to listen to put down on paper what you need to think about. And you just treat me like, you know, you're going to remember all this? And you're already full of confusion and problems while you're sitting here telling me all this? Did you really say I really said I'm a real person. I'm a real man of God. And I don't have time to fool with people that aren't going to pay attention. I'm just serious about my life with God. And that just slows over into everything I think. And rightfully so. You should be serious about this. You should be more serious about this than who you're going to marry. That'll show you who you're going to marry. Wow. Or where are you going to work? What are you going to do with your life for 50, 60 years? You know, so let's read this again. See where we go again. <laughs> Verse 20, but you, beloved, that's us, building up yourselves on your most holy faith. I don't need Diana to pray for me in tongues. I need to pray in tongues for myself. Yes, sir. I'm trying to help you here. And sometimes when you get married and you got one that's stronger than the other in faith, typically that's true of every family. That don't mean she's going to carry you your whole life, buddy, or vice versa. <laughs> that's not Bible. You know, and sometimes if you're smart, you would figure out who's got the faith to believe for this and just the one that's not got the faith, just shut up before you tear it up or try to just pretend, well, I'm going to agree with you and you don't agree a thing. You're going to get somebody killed doing stuff like that. I'm just talking straight to you. I'm not mad at you. If I was mad at you, I'd scream and cuss and all that, but I'm not. I don't cuss anyway. But I'm talking about reality here. Building up yourself personally. Take it personally. I'm talking to you. I'm not talking to your mate. I'm not talking to your children. I'm not talking to your mother. I'm talking to you. You build up yourself in this generation, we got, and we're going to have it because Christmas is coming, every infomercial you can think, thigh busters, bun busters, you know, whatever news on the market that you could have beet juice that's going to make you something. Every kind of commercial to make you different than you are, and then you buy them, you never use them, you sell them at the garage sale next year. But what about spiritually? 
This is what I'm saying. Are you any further ahead this Christmas than you were last in the spirit with God, Jesus, and the whole plan of God for your life? You should be coming out of the fog and know some things by the spirit. And I want to say this again. I've said it a couple of times. Not everything you pray about is going to be finished in 20 minutes. And if you can't stay longer than 20 to do that at that point, and I understand people, you know, we got schedules and appointments, then maybe you're going to have to pick it up again. You know what I mean? You go do what you need to do, then you get back and you pray another 20 or maybe another 30 or another five hours or four hours or two. And don't have to all be in one whack, but you need to stay with it until you have a note of victory or you get some insight from the Lord and when I say a note of victory, sometimes I get a note of victory and he's not talking to me yet about what I've just prayed about. But if I got a note of victory, I know he's going to talk. He's going to deal with me. He, and it might be the next day, and it could be two days later, and he'll say, Michael, remember what we were talking about back there? I said, I sure do. I was praying about that. This is your answer. Hey, thank you, Father. Appreciate it. Then I know what to do, how to act, what to, you know, whatever it is that I was talking to him about how to think about it correctly. And the thing is, other things begin to happen because you're learning to trust him praying in the Holy Ghost. You're learning to trust him praying in the Holy Ghost. See, when you pray in the Holy Ghost, if you don't know exactly everything at that moment, that doesn't mean that's been not effective because you're talking to God in the spirit. You're, you're praying out of your spirit to God who is a spirit. <laughs> and that's your instant communication. See, I'm switching over there. But then I come back over here in the natural. And you know, you could, I mean, I'm just using that example. If I prayed for an hour and I don't have any revelation yet, that doesn't mean that God didn't hear me. That doesn't mean that I didn't get anywhere. I got an hour's worth of somewhere and that will manifest in my life. Maybe him speaking to me something from what I'm praying about or maybe that an additional thing that I wasn't even thinking about. He may enlighten me. Let me show you a verse to go with this about building up yourself. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 6. I know it's a familiar verse to most of us. In fact, I think there was a song. Uh, I don't know who did that. Maybe the Living Stones a long time ago. Stir it up. Yeah. Is that right, Daryl? Yeah. yeah. But here in 2 Timothy, Paul writing to Timothy, his spiritual son, he says in verse 6, chapter 1 of 2 Timothy, Wherefore I put you in remembrance that you stir up the gift of God, which was put in thee by the putting on of my hands. You have to stir it up. Yeah. You have to stir it up. Right. You stir it up and you get some other things coming into that mixture too sometimes. You may kind of divulge or divert into a little different kind of sound to you that maybe you hadn't seen before. But you can always guarantee that if you're praying in the Spirit. Now what, who did it say to stir it up? Us. You. Me, Pastor Diana, Brother Anthony, Pam, right on around. You know, you stir it up. God's not going to stir it up. It, you got to stir up yourself to lay hold on God. That's, that's back in Isaiah. It says, not many are stirring themselves to lay hold on anything. Well, 
And that's why there's so much. That's why I can't find a place to park at the hospital. I've had to go up on the garage the last several times I went to the hospital because so many sick people. That's just one issue. And now we've got all this mental illness in our country and stuff like that. Some of it's from perversion. Some of it's from other things that people have done. They've had no, no standard to live by. And they just do anything they feel like doing and it gets them in trouble and the devil takes advantage of them and makes them mental people, makes them emotional people, makes them an emotional wreck. I mean, I read something that was several years ago that like billions of dollars were spent on antidepressant drugs just in North America, just in the United States a few years ago. Just on antidepressant drugs. There's all kinds of psychotic drugs and antipsychotic and anti, all the, whatever names you want to put with it's not important. The fact is that there's just a massive industry out there because people got some massive problems. Now, if you need drugs, take them, but don't think you have to stay on them all your life. That's what I say. You know, if you need to get some help medically, then get it, but go to people you trust. All right. So we learn how to trust God more fully when we pray in the Spirit. It doesn't build your faith, but it builds you up on your faith. It's kind of like this, like a bodybuilder or somebody that runs a lot. In fact, just recently they had the New York Marathon and Pastor Mark's daughter ran in at 26.2 miles, and she didn't start doing that. I mean, she didn't say, I'm going to get in a race, never ran in her life. She's been practicing to some level, and, and other people too, to get in that race, or you're going to peter out at about a mile and a half, or whatever, you know, whatever you... But you know what I'm saying? See, and it's like that with your faith life. If you pray in the Spirit, you build yourself up. And you, what I'm trying to say is you, people that prepare for something, what do they do? They can deal with things better. They can extend themselves longer. They have more energy. They have more strength. And I would say, really, I'm believing this too. And I think this is scriptural. You pray in tongues enough, you'll be stronger. Because yes. if I'm building myself up, I'm going to be stronger on the inside. Now, I know we, I'm not saying anything about lifting weights. That's appropriate going, walking, running, you know, do a treadmill or whatever it is your deal, the Peloton or whatever, you know. But I'm just saying if we'd pray in tongues, I don't see any commercials on TV to pray in tongues. <laughs> and most of the people that don't know anything about it criticize us. Maybe including some of you, I don't know. But there's no reason to be critical of something that would improve your life. No. I told you in 1 Corinthians you know, 14.2 and 14.4, if he does that, he improves himself. Yes. In fact, I got to read out right here. It says, if you pray in tongues, you improve yourself. Number two, you do good to yourself. Number three, you help yourself grow. And number four, is strengthened personally just by praying in tongues. How, I, mean, I mean, God did this. I always say God didn't make this complicated. People make it complicated. See, there's a little verse. I think it's in Second mm, Corinthians, maybe. Do 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 do. Okay, I think it's Second Corinthians, maybe eleven and about three. It says that. Um, <laughs> hang on a minute. I'm gonna try to pull it up. Okay, I'm gonna go read it. Uh, let's see here. Second Corinthians 11. It's, I, it's really important verse. I'm just, my mind's not thinking about it right now. Second Corinthians 11. Let's see. Here it is. 
Yeah, verse 3. But I fear, at least by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve. That's the devil deceiving humanity. He could beguile you too if you don't, if you let him. Through his subtlety or his craftiness, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that's in Christ. See, I make everything simple. I tell churches when I travel, if you don't understand me, you really need to get in the prayer line. I'll pray for your brain because I'm not complicated. I am not complicated. I'm a smart man. I could use bigger words, but what's the point? We don't even get to simple words yet. Keep it simple. Just, I've always just kept it simple in my life. And that's helped me. Read my Bible and pray. And be married and raise my kids, you know, and pastor a church and travel the world. But read my Bible and pray. That's my job description. Read my Bible and pray. Read my Bible and pray. Pray in English, pray the Word, but also praying in tongues. I haven't missed a day since May of 1978. Seems to me that's about 41 years. In May of next year, it'll be 42 years. I prayed every day in tongues for 42 years. And it has so enriched me. It's been more precious than money. It's been more precious than a favor in some ways. It's just blessed me. And sometimes I went through hell on earth, but I was still solid and able to go through that and still love God and still love people and forgive people that were ugly, forgive people that were mean, forgive people that were crazy. And on and on I could go with that. But if you don't, you're not going to forgive people, you're not going to pray in tongues, you won't be able to do that. Come on, there you go. I mean, the Bible says for some people, any little thing just blows them out. Oh, my God, I can't believe it. Where's the stamina? I'm asking a rhetorical question. Where's the stamina? I didn't say it's all been fun. Let me clarify something. I say it's all, but it's been fulfilling to serve God and do my best to get back in line if I was drifting all these years. Yes. Hallelujah. Thank you for your silence. <laughs> okay, I think I can move on a little bit. But remember now, praying in the Spirit will build you up so that your faith can be exercised better. It doesn't give you faith, but it builds you up so that you could exercise your faith. You ever watch that ninja show on TV? I mean, not they're not fighting. They're just, they call it ninja something, and they're jumping over water and grabbing hoops, and most of them fall in the water. And yet those are pretty well-built people, I've noticed, and pretty strong people. I mean, I wouldn't want to have to do one of those tricks, you know, one of those things to get to the buzzer. <laughs> but, you know, they didn't start overnight. Nobody just got off the street, hey, I'm going to do that. You're going to stumble into the water first and trick out of the box. Yeah. No, you see, it allows you to do some things you couldn't do if you hadn't practiced. And then maybe someday God said, I need, you, I, need you to, I need you to take a day and just pray. You may not pray all day, 12 hours, but you could eat some breakfast if he tells you you could, and then just take off and pray. I put your phone on hold. Tell your wife, you know, what you're doing or your husband, whatever the case may be. Don't make them feel funny. But, you know, give some time to that. Hallelujah. I'm preaching real good. Okay, let's go to James chapter 3 here. Keeping it simple. James chapter 3. And here's something else that uh, praying in tongues. It keeps us free from worldly contamination. Worldly contamination. If you can bring your tongue into submission... 
which I'm, I'm going to stop on that and let you think about it. If you could bring your tongue into submission, when's the last time you talked to somebody about somebody else in the negative? I didn't say they don't deserve it, but I said you, you held your peace. You wouldn't like me if I got up here and told you all the dirt I know on everybody. And rightfully so. I wouldn't sit and listen to that either from a preacher. Okay, I'm going to hold my peace a minute for you. I'm going to listen. You got to bring your tongue into submission. Yes. And you can't say things like "thrills me to death," "dying to go." Look at that big dog. It's a little Chihuahua. See, you're lying to yourself with your words, and you confuse your own spirit. And your spirit don't know whether to grab a hold of that because it does not that, or to go with you. And pretty soon you won't be able to hold any scriptures in you either. Got, let, let me just say it just straight to you. Quit being critical or I'll have to bury you. You know, I'm just telling you what I know. If you're going to be critical of the church, critical of me, even if you don't like me, if you don't like me, you love Jordan, just stick around. He'll be back. No, I'm serious. But if you're going to be critical and judgmental and critique everything we do, every song we sing, everything I say, you're going to be in trouble. Judgment will fall on you eventually because you're critical of everybody. I'm just talking. I mean, I've learned that the hard way sometimes. I spoke very critical to a pastor one time before I got home. I had to, I had to stop calling and say, listen, I am so sorry. I'm just under it. I've been under it for a while, and I'm just so depressed, and I'm sorry that I spoke to you that way. I love you, and please forgive me. He said, I forgive you. You're smart to ask people to forgive you if you've talked like that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I'm on this. I feel like I ought to stay on it a minute. Quit being critical of everything. It's not the way you think it should be. None of us are perfect. Don't be critical of your mate or your kids or, you know, whatever. Just do your best to flow with what we're doing here and, and move on with God and be happy to be saved. Happy that Jesus is your Savior, your healer, your deliverer. Hallelujah. But James tells us here, let me see, 8 through 10 here. But the tongue can no man tame. You can't tame your tongue by yourself. You could get mad at yourself because you're filthy talker. You know, if you back in the day when you talk like, but you say, I'm not going to do that no more. And for you know it, you're cussing up a storm. Or you say, I'm not going to talk about people anymore. And a week later, you've talked about three people. See, because you can't tame your tongue by yourself, the Holy Ghost has to help you. Part of the way he helps you is by praying in tongues. I'm going to show you that in just a second. But let's look at this. The tongue can no man tame by himself. I'm adding that in. Because if you couldn't tame it, what would be the point of bringing it up? It is an unruly evil, your tongue, your words, full of deadly poison. I know not everybody's talking that way or cussing and everything else, but I guarantee some of you cuss at home when you get mad. It says, therewith bless we God... Even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceeds blessing and cursing. My brethren, he's talking to the church, my brethren, not my heathen, right? How many are listening? Yes. Hey, don't turn me off. You won't get anything now. Come on, listen to me. I'm trying to help you. It says here, my brethren, these things ought not so to be. Does the fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? 
You know, some people I try to avoid because I know they're full of bitterness. And before I know it, they'll be talking about somebody, even in front of me. Okay. Does a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? The answer is no. Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries? No. Either a vine, figs? No. So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh? So we need to do something to keep ourselves in line with God with our mouth. You know, sometimes it's hard, but sometimes you just have to hold your peace. I didn't do very good at that a while back. I saw somebody, the sent, not, not recently, but a while back I saw, I won't mention who he was. I think he's gone now. I'm happy about it. But anyway, the senators were talking to him, and he was such a smart aleck. I'm telling you, it just, <laughs> and I don't watch politics, but I sat on the couch and watched an hour of that, and I told my wife, see, I, see, I told her something. I shouldn't have told her. Are you listening to me? You ought to watch what you watch on TV. <laughs> It'll irritate you. <laughs> you know, somebody of his caliber, supposedly in a very, very prestigious office in our country, and senators were asking legitimate questions, and he wouldn't answer a single one of them. Anyway, moving right along. Okay, let's go to 1 Corinthians 14. Let me show you something else here. I'm still talking about. So you might have to learn to talk different. And you know, I used to work construction. Some of those boys are pretty rough. <laughs> I'm just being light. They're really rough. But I had to learn to hold my peace. I wasn't even spirit-filled yet. I wasn't even a tongue talker. But later I found this verse in here. It says in verse 28, and some of it came because my wife was pregnant. Listen to me carefully. And I went to every doctor's appointment with her, sat in an office with pregnant ladies, and saw the magazines on the table, and listened to some of their conversations. Yeah, oh my is right. And I just learned this scripture here. I'm going to read it. 1 Corinthians 14, 20, 21. If there be no interpreter, there wasn't any interpreter in that, that doctor's office, out, at her office. Let him keep silent in the church and let him speak to himself and to God. So I just prayed in tongues where nobody could hear me. You can do that if you train yourself. <laughs> Sweet Jesus. Saved me from hearing a lot of stuff. I mean, my wife had to hit me. We're ready to go back. Oh, okay. Tap me. See, it says there's no interpreter. You should keep silent in the church. Speak to yourself and to God. I'm speaking in tongues when I'm quiet now. See, I'm just letting it intermittently to show you. You have trained yourself to do that. You could pray in tongues a lot more than you think you could. And didn't that say that? You can keep silent and pray to God and to yourself. And it's talking about tongues there primarily. Well, I thought you'd be excited about I'm giving you a secret weapon now. Hallelujah. <laughs> yeah, you sure can. All right, let's see here. Here's another one. I'm 1 Corinthians 14. Let's look at something else. Tongues are forgiving thanks. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 14. Let me find my verses. 15 
I think through, uh, through 17, says, what is it then? I'll pray with the Spirit and I'll pray with the understanding also. I'll sing with the Spirit and I'll sing with the understanding also. So he's saying, I will sing. I could sing in the Spirit. Or I could say, Father, I love you very much. Or I could pray in the Spirit. Father, I ask you to help so-and-so in Jesus. See, I could move back and forth in either way. Else when thou shalt bless with the Spirit, notice this, verse 16, how shall he that occupies the room of the unlearned? Now you should never stay in the room of the unlearned. I'm not accusing you of that, but I don't know where everybody's at specifically. Some, a lot of people are in the room of the unlearned, but I've seen them stay in there and they just never seem to get out. They just judge things backwards than what I would judge it, and they, they don't seem to catch on. Listen, how shall he that occupies the room of the unlearned say amen at your giving of thanks, seeing he understands not what you say? Well, why would he? I wasn't talking to him. Yes, now wait, for thou verily givest thanks well. In what way? In the spirit. <laughs> In tongues. But the other is not edified. That's apparent. I thank my God I speak in tongues more than you all. All right. Hallelujah. Paul said that, you know, I speak in tongues. But what I'm showing you is tongues are for giving thanks. Now, I don't do that when I'm with a group of people that don't anybody speak in tongues but me or me and her. We're not doing that to people like that. But normally we're with people that are spirit filled. Typically, that's who we fellowship with. No, you know, with the exception, some now all our family today is pretty much spirit filled. But what I'm saying is, in the past, you know, when I had a lot more relatives on the planet, a lot of them were not. So I wasn't walking around my mom's house praying in tongues because she didn't believe that. She didn't understand that. Just confused her. How many are listening to me? <laughs> but we're saying here, we need to realize we could give thanks for something. Praying in tongues, you could do that privately too. It's just saying if other people were with you, they wouldn't understand it because you weren't talking to them. You were talking to the person to bless them in the spirit. Or you're just thankful that God blessed you in some way. You get excited and speak in tongues. All right. You still here? Now this is just half of my message. I've got another half to go to. So hang on just a minute. This, this is the last part on this. Go to Isaiah 28. And I want to look at this, and this is so critical that we get this. Isaiah 28, and it's mentioned uh, in your New Testament in 1 Corinthians 14. Uh, you know, I think verse 11 or something in verse 21. But we're look back in the Old Testament because it's important we look at this. Uh, let me read it to you, and then we'll talk about it. Verse 11, well, we'll start in verse 9. Whom shall you teach knowledge, and whom shall... You make to understand doctrine. Them that are weaned from the milk, that's pretty young, and drawn from the breast. You know, I've had people argue with me and threaten to hurt me because they said, my kid didn't know anything about getting saved. I said, they sure did. I prayed with them. I taught them what it meant to be born again. <laughs> a guy threatened to break my nose. A guy threatened to put his hand back. You were with me, Dale. Linda's brother, or Linda's neighbor, the one guy. Boy, he was hot. Yeah, his kid got saved. Had a daughter about six years old. He cussed me. I mean, there's another time I was cussed really good. 
Well, when we got out of the car, Dale Nine, he cussed all the way up to us. And I said, well, God told me to come to all the parents of the kids that got saved in my vacation Bible school, and you're one of them. You're going to hear what I have to say. He said, I am not. I'm going to throw you off my property. I said, you are not. You can just hold up on that a minute. Is that what I said? He was shaking in his boots. I mean, this guy was so hot, his face was red. And he called me everything but white. I don't know. He just cussed me. And I said, well, it's evident you don't like me. I'm not so sure I like you either. But your daughter deserves to go to church somewhere. If you don't like my church, evidently you've got a, a deal about me for some reason. I have no idea why. I don't even know you. First time I ever met you. But I met your daughter. And she prayed with me to receive Jesus. You need to take her up to the Methodist church. How about that? Or wherever you need to take her to get some more training because... I led her to the Lord. She needs. To, well, she don't. She's not big enough to understand that. I said she understands more than you do. <laughs> and I put my hand out, and it seemed like a day and a half before he took it. I'm serious. He was hot mad. I said I'm not leaving till you shake my hand. I didn't come to cause you grief. I came to talk to you about something important. Your daughter. And finally, he shook my hand and said thank you, and I left. Oh, I had people sh try to sh The one guy said, I'm going to shove you off my porch. Hey, you were a town tamer. I was a town tamer. <laughs> 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 That's a rebel town. <laughs> See, if you ain't got anything to back you up, then just don't say it. But No, we had 25 kids saved at one of our Bible schools. And God said, I'm holding you responsible for every parent. And there wasn't too many of them were nice about it. They were all hostile, it seemed like. But anyway, praise God. This says little children could learn that just after they've been breastfed. That's what that says in proper English. For precept must be upon precept, and precept line a little, here a little, there a little. For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people, to whom he said, this is the rest. This is the rest wherewith he uh, may cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing, yet they wouldn't hear it. You know, I've had people make fun of me because I prayed in tongues. It didn't bother me a bit. I felt sorry for them. That'd be like a guy making to got typhus and the guy's got a needle full of stuff to shoot him and he's, gonna, and he's arguing with him. Listen to me. This is the rest. This is the refreshing. Yet they wouldn't hear. I'm just asking a rhetorical question. Are you hearing? Are you using your rest and refreshing? They asked Smith Wigglesworth one time, you know, I'm telling you, he raised 23 people from the dead. He knew something about God. I heard Dr. Summerall talk about him this morning. He said he wasn't a great teacher, but he could sure read the Bible. But he heard from God. And he raised 23 people from the dead. He was kind of, I'm, I think I got a little bit of him in me. Because, you know, I... You know, he ministered to Lester. Lester ministered to Dr. Dufresne. Dr. Dufresne ministered to me. And Lester ministered to me once or twice, too. Laid hands on me. But anyway, I'm just, I'm just talking. <laughs> and they, they said, what do you do for a vacation? Doc, and Smith Wilkins says, I pray in tongues. Started praying in tongues. Not a real educated guy. Plumber. You know, he really didn't start till he's 49 or something. Doing the things he did. What a man. Yeah. Never too late. Never too late. 
I remember he, put, he had a lady on the platform. <laughs> he could say, ushers, she couldn't walk. He said, turn her loose. She fell flat on the floor. Pick her up. Let her go. She fell flat on the Guy in the audience said, leave her alone, you big brute. Said, shut up. I'm in charge here. Mind your own business. Pick her up. He said, walk, and she walked. He was made healed just like that. Got a guy from the hospital, had a gown on with the back out, you know, and Duck Summerall, I mean, uh, Smith Wigglesworth used to pound on people. And he had cancer right here, and the doctor was with him and said he's full of cancer, but it's the main thing's right here. And he beat him in the stomach, and the guy fell down. And the doctor said, my God, you killed him. And he went on to the next couple of people, didn't even respond to the doctor. Went two or three more people. Here come this guy running with his back open. <laughs> hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. God healed the cancer. Didn't care if he shot the moon even. Hey, come on, bud. That's a real story. Problems, tensions, worry, frustration, society, etc. A culture. We live in a, in my opinion, a very unusual culture right now, and it's beginning more unusual all the time. I can't even watch a commercial anymore. There's two boys kissing, two girls kissing, or worse. It's a strange world we're living in. I'm not against homosexuality. I'm against it for you because it'll kill you. I've had two people healed of AIDS in my ministry, one male, one female. I have the medical report from the hospital. So, I mean, I love people even if they have stuff like that. Of course, I encourage them to stay away from the same sex. You got healed now, just go live your life. I'm not sure they both did that, but nonetheless, they were healed. The blood test validated it and said none detected. This virus, none detected. And it was way overblown when they first went. I'm just talking to you here. But let's talk about this. Praying in tongues brings spiritual refreshing and rest. Now, I believe in naps, too. You know, they're helpful. <laughs> but, you know, how about just taking a break and go pray in tongues a little bit? Now, listen to me. There's times, if you'll take the time, you can go do that. i got to hurry up here. I've got to hurry up because I'm going to give an invitation here in a little bit. Okay, what's going to take to get you to receive? First of all, let's go to John 7. So prayed in tongues brings what? Refreshing and rest. Rest for you. Sometimes your body needs rest, but sometimes you need rest. Okay, John 7, 37 through 39. This is number one. How do you receive? You be thirsty. You have to be thirsty for these things. If you're not thirsty and hungry for them, you can't have them. See, I went to seminary because that's all I knew I, to do. I wasn't spirit-filled when I went. I went and met the president of the school I went to, and I felt like he was a spiritual man, and I think he's still a spiritual man. I don't know if he's still on the planet. He didn't say anything about tongues. He didn't say anything about I'm spirit-filled. I noticed that he had an anointing on him of some level, and... And when I got done meeting him, I came home and told Diane, I came out to the car. I said, I think this is where I'm supposed to go, plug into here. And so I went to the seminary. I'm, I don't apologize for that. However, you know, I moved beyond that and I got thirsty and I got hungry. Yes, sir. 
And I, I've told this story before. I had to take Greek in seminary. They made me. I'm glad they did. It's kind of complicated. I made A's and B's. I'm not stupid. However, when I got out of seminary, I started reading the Amplified Bible as well as going to my Greek New Testament in certain references. And every time I went to the Amplified, it was right on with the Greek. So I just kind of stayed with the Greek more than have to look up all that stuff. But this was my point. Then that same professor taught the book of Acts. It was an elective course. My last semester at school from January to May. And he tore it up. He didn't have any supernatural for it. He destroyed angels. He destroyed demons. He made fun of the healings and stuff like that. It was all done away with. And I went home and looked, because he taught me Greek. I went home every night and looked at, his, looked at the New Testament in the Greek. And I said, he's either lying about it or he don't know. But either way, it's wrong. Yes. I'm a 28-year-old kid. He's 80 years old. I'm not going to raise my hand in class and challenge the Greek professor in seminary and he's going to make me look like a nut. I just knew from God that I'm right. You know, it's nice to know you're right, even if, even if people don't appreciate it. It's nice to know when God says you're right. <laughs> you know? And so I got hungry. I got thirsty. And when I went to visit this pastor, which my home church told me to stay away from, and I realized when I pulled into church that day, this might be the guy I'm supposed to stay away from. And he walked in, and I knew he was the real deal. I mean, he didn't have, he didn't have to open his mouth. He did open his mouth later. But I just knew this is the real man of God. And one of the guys with me, kind of obnoxious person, I wish he hadn't have done that, he attacked him, Pastor Roy, and said, I just want you to know I got all the Holy Ghost when I got saved. And Pastor Roy kindly said, well, if you do, where is he at? And I read into that, you're acting like a B-U-T-T, which is what I thought about him. I felt like slapping him. What's the matter with you? Why would you attack this pastor? We asked him for a meeting, and you're coming in here belligerent-like. What's the matter with you? You know, that's what I wanted to say, but I didn't say anything at the moment. And he said, well, boys, called us boys. He said, if you really want to know, get Dennis and Rita Bennett's book, The Holy Spirit Knew. I didn't know they were Episcopalians until they handed me the book. I mean, less than 24 hours I was speaking in tongues. Why? Because I'm hungry. I'm not just a Baptist. I'm not just a school guy. I'm hungry for Jesus. I'm hungry for the power. I'm hungry for the move of God. I'm hungry. I'm hungry. I'm hungry for something beyond what I know. I wish some of you would get excited. What does it take? You have to be thirsty for these things. If you're not thirsty and hungry, you're not going to get it. And if you got it, what you have will dry up. It just shrinks away from you. And pretty soon you're back in a denominational church wondering why you're sick all the time. Wondering why you're depressed all the time. Wondering why you don't have money anymore. And it's not a wealth and health gospel, but there is wealth and health in the gospel. But there's power. That's what I'm talking about. Power of God to put you over in life. To deal with roughness in life. When the devil throws something at you, you throw it back. You don't quit. You don't stop. You just keep moving. You're dangerous when you do that to the devil. He, he's afraid of you. If you only knew what I knew, <laughs> he's afraid of you. Yeah, keep moving. Okay. Got that out of my crawl. Hang on. John 7. Verse 37, in the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, 
saying, if any man's thirsty, let him come to me and drink. That's what I'm going to ask you to do in a minute. If you need this and you want it, you can have it. He that believeth on me as the scripture has said. That's why we're taking time to look at these scriptures. Out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. All you have to do is come and receive. You're not going to earn it. I don't care how much word you got in you or how little. But if you come to receive, you could receive. It's, it's a gift. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. He had to take all that and be done by him first to start this new covenant. Are you listening to me? So if you're thirsty, you can come to Jesus and drink. And he's the one that baptizes you in the Holy Ghost. Isaiah 44 and 3 says, I'll pour water upon him that's thirsty. He said water right here. Let him come and drink. Out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. So that when you think about the water, Isaiah 43, 44.3 says, I will pour water upon him that's thirsty and floods upon the dry ground. That's pretty crusty if you're dry ground. But he'll even flood you out if you're sick, if you're hungry for this. Hallelujah. Number two, you first of all be thirsty. Number two, know it's God's will through his word. Be convinced. And I like it, be fully persuaded. You know, in Romans 4, it talks about Abraham. I think, uh, I think I'm trying to remember what translation it says. He was fully persuaded that what God said he would do. Romans 4, about verse 20, you know, talking about Abraham there. He's fully persuaded. And Weymouth says he was absolutely certain that what God said he would do. Because you have to be certain. You have to be convinced from the word that we've been teaching you. Number three, you need to believe you receive when hands are laid on you. Let's go to the book of Acts and look at chapter um, 8 and verse 17. You know, uh, Philip went down there and preached to them. I think that's right. But then they sent Peter and John down to them when they found out they'd received the word of God. Verse 14, it says that. And it says, when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive, verse 15, Acts 8, 15, prayed that they, for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. See, you have to receive him. For as yet he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, of course, for the remission of their sins and so forth. Then they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Ghost. They just, you receive when hands are laid on you. That's the point of contact. When I lay hands on you, believe you receive, and then speak out whatever God gives you, but don't speak in your normal language. How do I do that? Well, the Holy Ghost will help you. When you get full, you speak. When you're full of Him, something starts coming back out. Yeah. Hallelujah. So we have that here in verse 17. Then go over with me to Acts 19. Look at another verse here. This is even more enlightening. Uh, Verse 6. And uh, of 19, Acts 19, when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them uh, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. Now, speaking in tongues can lead you into the gifts of the Spirit also. He lists his prophecy here, regular prophecy. He doesn't make you a prophet to prophesy. But what I'm showing you is Paul laid his hands on them. Peter and John laid their hands on those in chapter 8. But Paul laid hands on them, and the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. 
So you have to re- believe you receive when hands are laid on you. How many are listening to me? Yeah. yeah. And then more importantly here, you need to ask to be filled. Let's go to Luke 11. This is an important scripture for our teaching. Luke chapter 11, please. I'm just about done. And because I want you to know you're not going to get anything but God's power, God's spirit. A lot of people are scared of it. You know, I don't know what I was, you know, I'm going to speak in tongues of God or of devils. You're not going to speak in the devil's language. I'm going to read this to you. This is what Jesus taught us about it so people would know and be relieved to know that if they came for that, that's what you get. The Holy Ghost. (laughs) And you get your own personal prayer language. If I lined up 10 people and asked them to speak in tongues, which I could, they would all sound a little different because it's my prayer language, Diana's prayer language, John's, Mm -hmm. Kanisha's prayer, you know, all of us. We're unique individuals. We're all praying in tongues, but it's unique to each one of us, our personal language. That's what I'm saying. So, you know, we're not trying to get you to copy anybody. We're just trying to get you to receive it. And then as you get filled with the Holy Spirit, start speaking that out, even if you get a few words. When I first had it, it was K-La-T-E. And that's all I had at that moment on my knees in that back bedroom when I was still in seminary. And then as the day went on, you know, later, and the day after, and the day I started K-La-T-E, la ma solo ma kiki le ma And, you know, it began to get more fluid with me, fluent in that language of the Spirit. The more I practiced it, the more I could speak it. Okay, I'm just talking, so... And if I could last, I could pray all the time. But, you know, you just have to do other things. You can't speak in tongues in public a lot because people think you're crazy. Isn't that right? You know, I don't go in and pay for my gas and say, Where are you from, son? Uh, Middle East. Okay, Luke 11, verse 9. And I say unto you, ask and it shall be given you. Look at this. If you ask, it will be given you. If you seek, you shall find, and if you knock, it shall be opened to you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that's a father, will he give him a stone? Of course not. You wouldn't do that to your children. Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? Of course not. Or if he asks an egg, will you offer him a scorpion? You wouldn't do that to your family. Put a scorpion down. Or, or a serpent or a rock. If you then being evil, he's just bringing an illustration to them. No, you know how to get good gifts, good gifts unto your children. How much more shall your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? How much more? My father's never given anything bad to anybody. I know the Old Testament implies that, but I've taught you better than that. If you've been with me long enough, I've been able to unravel some of those riddles that God did this and God did that. God permitted it because he didn't have a choice. And people opened themselves up and that brought a curse from the devil. God's not a curser. Okay. But so we're seeing this. This answers a lot of questions for us. If you ask for the Holy Ghost, you're going to get the Holy Ghost. You're not going to get something foreign or different or weird. Yeah. Jesus made it clear for us to be endued with power from on high before in the New Testament, before they went out to evangelize the world. You know, in 2 Timothy 1, I didn't read this a minute ago. I think I read verse 6, but 7 says, God's not given us a spirit of fear, 
but a power and love and a sound mind. See, that's why, you know, I tried to be prayed for before. I prayed myself to try to receive the Holy Ghost back in Ohio, but I wasn't instructed in the Word. I was instructed by somebody that was in a cult. Are you listening to me? So I didn't speak in tongues. I didn't speak in anything. But when I got in seminary, I was more word-oriented. And then by the time I got ready to graduate, I got Dennis Bennett's book, The Holy Spirit and You. And he just laid it out in the first 10 pages. He just laid it out for me. And he was just a brilliant person in that he was very intelligent, but he was so simple in his approach, the way he talked about it. And I thought, well, I want that. I just got on my knees. I hadn't read the whole book. I'd only read about eight or ten pages. Got on my knees said, Father, I want this. I need this. Please fill me with the Holy Ghost. And then I said something odd to myself. And I remember saying, I don't care who this takes me to or who, who, who I have to separate from. And I normally didn't talk like that. But, boy, that sure came to pass. I'm glad I said it then. So when I ran into it, you know, our best friends in Ohio, they were denominational people, loved God. We prayed with them. We had Bible studies with them. We prayed when some of their ladies were pregnant in this group. We had about five couples, six couples. And then I went home one weekend back to Ohio. I think she went to her mother's and I went over to where they were supposedly meeting. And they, they said they wanted me to come. And I came in and they said, and the first, they didn't even say, hey, how you doing? And I hugged my neck. They said, you speak in tongues? I sure do. You, you speak in tongues? We don't like you anymore. You need to leave. These are people that were my best friends in Ohio. I don't know what they thought I had, like I had the plague. But see, I knew they weren't teachable when they treated me that way. They were mad about it. They were irritated about it. They weren't happy for me. Like I deserted them. I'm just trying to know God. I've been deserted by the best of them over the years. I can tell you. Even pastors. Even missionaries that I've sowed into their life and prayed for them to live and not die on the mission field. And all of them lived when I prayed for them. And gave them money. They mad at me over something stupid. I didn't throw anybody under the bus. Just so you know that. Never. Now, I have asked some people to leave this church that were predators for your benefit because I was a good shepherd when I was shepherding you. I'm not going to tolerate predators here that I don't trust. But anyway, I'm just talking about the Holy Ghost. He's so good. He's precious. He is such a precious friend. (laughs) And, you know, I was studying this this week, and I thought about this. John 14, it says, I'm going to give you another comforter. Oh, hallelujah. The comforter, the Holy Ghost. He's my comforter. Even when men have abandoned me, even when people have left me, and even when people spoke evil, I still had a comforter. And I could pray in the Spirit and receive His comfort. And He would heal and bless and touch me, encourage me, stand me back up on my feet. Because I couldn't understand why somebody would be so mad and ugly about things that I had sold thousands of dollars to and prayed for them on the field and got them out of debt and a lot of things we did. I'm not trying to toot my own horn. I'm just telling you the truth. But I had to tell these people, hey, my hands are clean. If you don't want anything to do with me, there's the door. And they got up and walked off. Said, I, I don't know what your problem is because I love you and I've always loved you and helped you. My hands are clean. You're not going to put that on me. 
Hallelujah. Bye-bye. So you just have to learn if you're going to flow with God, you, you're in a different level sometimes in people's minds. Are you listening? And the devil dorks on people's head to get you to leave people that helped you. That don't even make sense to me. I said, that don't even make sense to me, people that have helped me. Dr. Dufresne, I would never leave him. I mean, even if they called and said he shot his grandmother, I'd be on a plane out there to go, go to jail with him, see what I could do to help him because I knew that something was amiss here. How many are listening to me? All right, let's move this stuff up here, gentlemen. Now, if you would like to receive today the Holy Ghost and speak in tongues, let's all stand up, please.